Blog Talk Radio. kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Welcome to Just Say Yes to Spirit. This is Leslie and there's no one else. We're waiting to hear, and Tracy, but uh, Tracy is actually has a training gig today, so um, I'm really going to uh, encourage people to dial in so we can uh, have a, a back and forth. Actually, we've got some comments that Tracy pre-recorded, thanks to technology and looking at that, um, being able to hear her voice, even though physically she's not with us. But um, I do encourage you, if you're listening today, the call-in number is 347 347- Eight five zero one five two three, and uh, today's topic we're going to be talking about commitment, which is an interesting thing to talk about. And um, as we go forward through the next hour, we'll kind of look at how we commit to others, how we commit to God, and how we commit to ourselves. And uh, if you look on the blog site, it talked about those three different categories, and it and it had others first, then God, then self. And I'm kind of curious to hear people talk about if uh, maybe does commitment to self have to come before God or God come before self. That's an interesting thing. But I think one of those has to come first before we can commit to others. So um, I'm very interested to hearing anybody's comments that they might have. And uh, we'll take a, a short break and come back and talk about commitment. Welcome back. Um, I think I'm channeling Tracy a little bit today because I did look up the definition of commitment. Tracy is the one that usually works the switchboard and looks up all the definitions and is the smart one to kind of start the show. And uh, So uh, I thought, I am going to look up that definition to commitment so I can uh, feel Tracy here a part of me. And I actually have a caller. I'm, I'm going to click on here and see if I can get, I think this is Tom, I hoped he would call and maybe chat with me a while. Let me see if I can do this and get a hold of Tom. Tom, are you there? I am here. You are there. You you are a good friend, Tom. <laughs> well, you're a wonderful person, kiddo. <laughs> and uh, 
And if you want to just kind of hang out with me as long as you want to hang out, you're, you're, I would love for you to. I know you might uh, have to sign off here, but um, feel free to jump in. And uh, I kind of like having the male energy on the on the show as well. So I'm here as long as uh, as you'll have me. I might have to censor you. I've said that to other women before, and it hasn't lasted that long. So I don't know how long this will last. <laughs> Oh, oh! There's so many things that I can say, but I won't. I won't. So uh, I'm just grateful. I will say I'm grateful here for you. Um, and I think I said I was going to try to channel Tracy here. I looked up the definition to commitment, and uh, actually, I think it's a wonderful day to have a male on here because of the word commitment. I always think of men. And let's see what it says. It says definition of commitment. Commitment is the trait of sincere and steadfast purpose the act of binding yourself intellectually or emotionally to a course of action, a message that makes a pledge. Does that uh, definition sound complete to you, Tom? Um, I, I, I think that's a good definition. I, yeah. I, you know, I, if I could see it in writing, I could probably answer that better, but I, from what it from what I can remember of what you just read, that sounded good to me. Sounded good to you, yeah. You know, sincere and steadfast purpose, um, that to me, it's interesting, and I, I want to think about the concept because I can, I can start off and I can be sincere and I can think I have a steadfast purpose and I can commit to something, and then when it comes up to actually doing it, I don't do it. And so I'm wondering if the term commitment, if there's something in between that I'm going to do it Tuesday at 10 and then Tuesday at 9.59, if there's something else that bridges between the moment right before and then the moment of the commitment. Yeah, maybe fear of failure. Fear of failure or fear of success maybe. Well. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I that think uh, as you were as you were uh, inquiring about whether or not it was a commitment to God, commitment to self, commitment to others, mm-hmm. um, it, it came to mind that the concept of commitment to the God in others is uh, is a nice place to be. No, that's interesting. So committing to not necessarily who my ego or my my frailty or whatever we want to call the human that comes out that can be perhaps not as good at following through on the commitments as I would want, but you're saying go ahead and connect and see the truth and commit to that for the person. Um, well, I'm, my thinking was more, I think, along the lines of um, just keeping in the forefront of your relationship with another person, attempting, attempting to keep uh, in the forefront of your mind uh, that that other person is a manifestation of God and uh, we're all, you know, have our faults and have our our failures. But uh, at the core, if we keep that, uh, loving thought toward the other person, that commitment to, to maintaining that thought that, that the 
the other person is a manifestation of God, that tends to keep keep the fusses and fights down a little bit, I think. That is really that is really true, isn't it? And if we keep that in the forefront of our mind in all relationships, because I guess when I first when we first talked about this as a topic, you know, of course, commitment. I think of a significant other, a partner. Um, but I think there are commitments, you know, in every every sort of aspect of our day, and certainly in every relationship that we have. And just as you said, if we keep that in mind of who the God in them, not what the behavior is that's right there in front of me that I'm getting irritated by, um, if I commit to that God in them, that is a much easier thing to show patience with and love for. Then another another thought that's sort of in the same ballpark, I, I like to think that no matter what happens, the other person and I are doing the best we can at the moment. Mm-hmm. We, uh, if we could do better, we would. You know, it's sort of another way of saying that. And, and being committed to, to, to keeping that also sort of in the forefront of your thinking uh, in relationships is, is handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I used to... Uh laugh I think that is such a profound thing that we're all doing the best we can I used to think you know people were just kind of waking up at three o'clock in the morning and trying to figure out ways to screw with me right you know I was like (laughs) I'm like that you just you are so focused on making my day bad right so there's got to be a commitment to making my day bad but you're exactly right we are doing the best we can and um in, in any kind of committed relationship as well as a friendship and even with myself, because, okay, now let's get into that idea of do we have to commit to ourselves first or to God first? Because I know I can almost give you the benefit of the doubt better. I can see the God in you, and I can know you're doing the best you can, and I can know a little bit about your history and understand why people do the things they do. But when it comes to giving my myself that own, that similar break or that similar allowance for doing the best I can with what I have kind of idea, um, I don't do that very well. And I wonder if I'm if I commit to my spiritual practice first, if I commit to God first, then does the commitment then come easier to myself? Am I more patient or more loving with myself? Or do I have to get some sort of uh, you know, some sort of baseline commitment with myself and trust in myself and my uh, ability to follow through before I can go into that commitment into my daily practice. Hmm. Um, inclination is to think that uh, our struggle is, is 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 to move away from aloneness and separateness and the first. First uh, chance, or the first, the best, best opportunity for getting away from that separateness is linking up with God, and then uh, it's so much easier, I think, to link up with yourself and people. But who knows? That'd be my thought. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. I think that is probably true. And through that connection or, you know, through aligning with God and kind of opening up that commitment, 
that in a way, I think you're right, I think it does then seed itself and it makes it easier to see myself as, you know, the, the part of me that's struggling to forgive that part and to the part that commits and doesn't follow through to, you know, instead of just going into a tremendous shame spiral and not coming out, but, you know, understanding how I can do it better next time. Um, I don't know uh, if this is a familiar experience to you, but I've gotten into relationships or situations so so far that I've committed and then not followed through and committed and not followed through and made such a fool of myself that I've actually, you know, had to not necessarily move my move away, but, you know, just kind of disconnect from people because I get so embarrassed that I didn't follow through and I didn't do what I said I was going to do and my commitments, you know, my word didn't mean anything. And so I just, well, you know, walked away from friendships or walked away from even early on in my life, I remember a job, you know, I just kind of faded away from because I was so embarrassed that I didn't follow through, I didn't live up to my commitments. And I wonder, if, is it in a situation like that, do you move away because you failed to do what you said you would do, or did you really move away because of your embarrassment about that? Oh, um, my embarrassment about that. Yeah. And that's that came out of your own mind. You know, that, that was your own... You You took yourself out of it. It wasn't your failure to... You know, you could not follow up on something and then go back to the folks and say, hey, I, I, I forgot to follow up on this, and I'm going to follow up on it. Uh, but but our own our own sense of something, I don't know. Um, you say embarrassment, but it's uh, – and it, what are we embarrassed about? We, I mean, everybody fails to, you know, come through on, on some simple occasion, uh, you know, they forget or something. Yeah. Uh, the question is, how are you going to react to it? How do you react to it? And if you're really committed to, to the thought of loving yourself and being comfortable with yourself, you just know you screwed up. And you don't run away from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it, it it has taken me, and I still will trigger into, you know, that shame spiral. That's a nice, long, therapeutic way of saying embarrassment. But, you know, it still will kick up for me, but I think you're right. It, it is my reaction, and it is my own, you know, that other person half the time when I call them back a week later or, you know, give them what I said I'd give them a month later, you know, and I follow up with them. They're like, oh, I forgot about that, or oh, this is great timing, or now's better than then anyway, you know, so it usually all works out if I do yeah. work back with them, but you know, it's um, you're exactly right. It's that shame or that you know embarrassment within me. Nobody's very rarely is somebody coming at me going, "Oh my goodness, you just really let me down." Um, it's usually all in my head. So, what does that tell us? Does that tell us uh, the commitment to ourselves is more important than the commitment to God or others, or is it just all intertwined? Yeah, I think he's kind of like the chicken and the egg, you know, what comes first. But I think you're right. I think God does have to come first because, okay, here you go. Here's an idea. When I am committed to my daily practice and my spiritual program, I am gentler and kinder to myself. And everybody. And everybody. So if I have that in place first, then the other doesn't get so out of control. Oh, yeah, that's, 
I think we found it. That's it, isn't it? I think. Yeah, let's write a book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> when uh, when um, uh, oh, Michael Beckwith was here in town a year or so ago, I was talking to him, and he said, you know, there's there's a, over a billion dollars a year spent in this spiritual growth industry. I'm getting my part of it. Of course, he was sitting there signing books, and <laughs> Ricky was signing CDs and everything, but it's amazing. I mean, I'm really pleased and happy that there's some, and that gives me an intro into this Parliament of World Religions that I wanted to, you know, mention. I think I mentioned to you that yes, I might yes, like yes. to visit with you about today. I'd love to hear more about that. Um, well, it's um, it's an organization that it's called Parliament of World Parliament of the World's Religions plural, and there is a council for a parliament of the world's religions up in Chicago. Um, They had a parliament in 1893. Oh, my gosh. And and nothing else happened. I mean, it was great parliament. They had people come from all over the world, and everybody had, you know, the history of that parliament was that it it was very nice, but it was a one-time deal. It was in association with like a World's Fair or something. Well, in 1993, some folks up in Chicago, and that and that was that first one was in 1893 was held in Chicago. In 1993, some folks in Chicago, some interfaith group up there, decided let's let's do the 100th anniversary of the Parliament of the World's Religions, oh, and we'll nice. do it here. We'll do it here in Chicago. So they did. And it was very successful. And that group decided, let's try to do this every five years instead of every 100 years. <laughs> yeah. So let's they, commit to it, uh, right? Let's commit to doing yeah. it more often. They uh, decided uh, just on their own. Uh, I think right off. I think that group that was up there decided, uh, let's go to Cape Town, in South Africa, oh. and promote. Interreligious dialogue uh, there in Cape Town, and they had a wonderful turnout. And then five years later, uh, the Parliament uh, had about eight thousand folks show up in Barcelona, Spain. Um, that was two, during two thousand and three. Uh, if I'm doing the math right, is that two thousand and three? Two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine was Cape Town. Then two thousand four, Barcelona. Then in, in, in 2009, uh, the uh, uh, Australian uh, folks who were involved in interreligious uh, cooperation uh, decided to uh, or managed to get the, the parliament to be held in, uh, what am I what, trying to think of what that city's name is, Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, Melbourne, okay. Yeah, and um, so this this thing is beginning to be a fairly regular recurring uh, event every five years. Well, now there's three cities across the world that are vying or bidding to have the 2014 Parliament of World Religions. Kind of like you did the Olympic Games or something, you you kind of present your city. Exactly. Okay. And 
and Dallas uh, is the only city in America that is uh, that is vying or bidding for the uh, location. Okay. Uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, and um, what is the other one? Uh, Brussels, Belgium. Uh, is the third. So there are three cities, and they're all, you know, vying to get uh, the council on council of no council for a parliament of the world's religions to select uh, one of those three cities to host the 2014. And I think it's you know it's really neat that Dallas is is a uh, it's the only city in America that's trying to get it. I'm encouraging everybody to be helpful. That's why I want to mention it to you on this show with, you know, the millions of listeners you've got. There's there no you telling go. That's what will happen, happen, happen after the day is, is God sent. <laughs> how do they pick, though? I mean, what are, you, what are you involved in to get them to? Are you, you have to. Essentially, you have to convince them that not only do you have the resources, the, the facilities, the ability to handle eight to 10,000 spiritual leaders of diverse uh, journeys from across the world, physically handle them. Mm-hmm. You have a community here that is pluralistically oriented, that has issues that would benefit from having uh, a massive infusion of new thinking, uh, you know, vibrating through the through the universe out of Dallas, Texas, and uh, the the issues in America, I don't know. You know, we're still we're still in process of putting the bid uh, packages together, but certainly, um, if if we if we restrict the issues to to things that are problems about America within America right now, problems we're having within America right now, certainly the environment with the Gulf oil spill would be would be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, immigration, immigration and how to handle the, the tired, hungry folks coming just for a chance at, at a decent life. Uh, our, our own uh, inclination in this country, a lot, a lot of us who grew up in a single Protestant church, uh, we don't. Uh, a lot of us don't have the pluralistic orientation of being uh, being uh, open to and supportive of other journeys. So, so we we would, we would attempt to persuade the council in Chicago that, uh, as opposed to Guadalajara and Brussels. We've got some things that, that they would be great to have folks up here talking about, and we have the abilities to to host it, you know, physically. Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there like a website if if uh, some of the uh, folk listening wanted to participate or had an idea or said, hey, you know, I'm a part of this group and we'd like to get a part of that and you know let you know about our individual group that might fit into that theme of a world religion? Is there a website or an email or how do they contact you or the group? Well, I would start, if I were out there just hearing about this for the first time, I would start with uh, www.parliamentofreligions.org. Religions with an S? 
parliamentofreligions.org. Okay. And that is the, uh, this, like I say, the parliament itself, the, the, and the five-year parliament only occurs over five years, but this council is an ongoing, continuing organization in Chicago. It's a relatively small staff, maybe 15 people or so. Uh, they attempt to, to assist these cities that are bidding. They help the cities get ready once they get to bid, and they uh, do other things in terms of encouraging inter-religious dialogue throughout the years, not, not just on every fifth year. Mm-hmm. So that website, I mean, that website I gave you, uh, parliamentofreligions.org, that will, there you can learn about this Parliament of World Religions. And then um, you can start looking around, like, for example, CSL Dallas, uh, Dr. Petra Weldis is very active in the local committee, um, that is the bid committee. So... Uh, there will be a local website. Uh, there will be a bid. Dallas is not even yet an official bid city. I, well, no, I think I think we can. I think we we have been authorized to to, to, to describe Dallas now as an official bid city. Okay. Uh, there are only three, and uh, Dr. Weldis Petra, uh, who is uh, senior pastor of CSL uh, Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas. CSL Dallas web, uh, website. Uh, if we don't have a web, if we don't have a local website yet, we will. We will soon. Okay. Uh, and if somebody posts a comment on the, if they're listening to this show specifically and want to get a hold of you or um, Reverend Petro, they can always put a comment on our blog, and then we can connect the dots back to you if yeah. they have an idea or organization that they would want to participate because I would imagine the more uh, people in different kinds of uh, religions and different kinds of communities that are practicing a spiritual practice, the more people that got involved in the bidding process and sort of committing their group or their mind or their thought behind it, that's kind of, I would imagine, would be part of the the lure to Dallas, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, and and what, what I'd like to emphasize is that this is America's bid for the Parliament. Mm, it's, it's, sure. We're the only we're the only city in Amer in, in the United States of America, North America, that is bidding. So, um, one of the things I'm hoping is that we will we will make a, we will somehow get folks like Oprah. Uh, recognizing that bringing this sort of uh, these religious leaders from around the world, it's it's astonishing how what what quality of folks showed up in Melbourne, Australia. I mean, it's just unbelievable how many PhDs and and academicians and imams and uh, sacred films that hadn't been seen for a long time. Uh, peace peace leaders, leaders in the peace movements, um, you know, the, the, the turnout, I mean, the, the leadership or the speakers, the facilitators, um, it's a very impressive, it can be, in Melbourne, it was a very impressive group of folks, uh, and I'm sure if, if uh, wherever it's held, 
2014, it will be an impressive group of, of speakers, facilitators, and okay. topics. Wonderful. Yeah, and I think you're right to get people outside of Dallas excited about it, to bring it to America, the United States. And then Dallas itself, now see, here's another way that I miss Tracy because she's smart enough to be able to work all this switchboard and look up things on the Internet, and I'm I'm not that... Uh, I'm not that smart about all of it, but I know that there's a history be- behind Thanksgiving Square that um, has to do with Dallas and trying to bring people of different faiths together. And um, I do think, interestingly enough, you know, being in the Bible Belt, so, so to speak, Dallas does have a, a much more open spiritual community than I would have thought. If you just kind of look at Dallas on a superficial level, I think you think everybody kind of walks alike and looks alike and talks alike. But there's a lot of different things going on behind the scenes in Dallas and a lot of variety and a lot of diversity and a lot of support for that. So um, I think that would be, we would be a very welcoming community, I think, to that experience. Mm-hmm. And it would be good for the world to see Dallas that way because I think I, exactly. we need That's something exactly. else besides JR, right? And... America, too, because uh, over the last 10 years or so, we've had some difficulties with our image worldwide. And uh, so I think it would be wonderful to, for America to be hosting this. Uh, the inter- the, the uh, Thanksgiving Square uh, directing group, uh, several members of that committee, are on this committee trying to, you know, setting up us as a bid city. Oh, and there's also nice. there's also a Dallas Interfaith Council, and there's several folks on that organization that are part of the uh, the bid committee. So, yeah. It's, Do you know the history behind Thanksgiving Square, Tom? Can you be Tracy? Can you just channel Tracy for a minute? Do you I, know? I can't be Tracy. <laughs> I, can you, I can tell you about First Methodist Church in Sulphur Springs. <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I'm on, I'll discover that during the week. And, you know, I didn't go back and talk about last week at the beginning of this show, but uh, next week when we kind of wrap up uh, this show at the beginning next week, I will have discovered and investigated a little bit more about Thanksgiving Square because there is a, a history to how that came about. And I just know in my limited memory of it that whoever did that and whoever is involved in that would certainly be perfect for what you're talking about yeah and you know that's a that whole event is sort of a a commitment to others you know making that because to me like you said seeing god in others and then committing to seeing god living through the experience of others you know committing to that and not to seeing the differences and not focusing on all the ways that we're not alike and how this person, you know, doesn't worship like me or doesn't look like me or doesn't talk like me, doesn't live like me. Um, You know, my commitment, I think, to others has to be just as deep and just as strong as my commitment to God and my commitment to myself. And I have always kind of lived my life in a way that if I see something going on, to others, it really, I must respond or react as if it was happening to me, or I am, in my way of thinking, just as guilty as the person perpetuating the 
the negative thing onto that person. If I'm a witness to a crime or I'm a witness to an oppression or something and I just watch, I think that that, in, energetically for me anyway, I feel like I'm then the oppressor or I'm the abuser or I'm the person actually taking the negative action if I don't follow through on my commitment to others and help or act or intervene. Um, and so I think okay. if we can bring people together in a whole, all the different religions and all the different, you know, spiritual groups and kind of commit to each other to to focus on, a, you know, on what we're doing, you know, as a whole and not uh, and not pick apart each other differences and, and, and focus on that and use, you know, one religion or one spiritual path as um as more important or or you know hierarchy of spirituality hierarchy it, it, of religions it, it is. Self, sulfur springs methodist church y'all get to go straight to heaven i'm sure all of y'all are just <laughs> <laughs> after y'all everybody else is equal i think that's what we could agree on right <laughs> no not really uh, uh, it is very important that that the message be clear that this gathering, wherever it's held, is not for the purpose of creating a one-world religion, uh, strictly for the purpose of um, all of good, uh, creating more goodwill in the world, and especially with relating to issues of environment, peace, and overcoming poverty. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, the 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 the, the, the goal is just to honor other. Uh, religious, spiritual journeys uh, and and find common ground. You know, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly something we should, you know, should be uh, doing every year. You see, I was trying to, you know, take all that you said and, you know, bring it back to commitment. But see, there you go. That's exactly what you're right. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to say we could create one world religion. I was just trying to say we could commit <laughs> to supporting yeah. each other. I, I know this, you were trying to get back in control I, of your own show. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, was gonna, I have this big post-it note in front of me. It says commitment, and I'm like, I, you know, I've got to say that word at least every, you know, three and a half minutes, right? Right. Like, I understand. So, yes. but say that website again, because I do think that's interesting. And we do actually. We had a caller from Florida, so um, you know, I do think this is a way to get the word out to different people. So say the website again. It's www.parliamentofreligions.org. Okay. And uh, I I know Tracy can put that on this uh, site, too. So we'll get that on there so that uh, people want to look up. Yeah. And um, speaking of Tracy, now, she has, uh, I said she had taped some comments. She... Yeah, came up with a quote. So I'm going to play one of her taped comments. Let's see if I can figure this out. I know I can. The the quote. Look at you're laughing with me. You're laughing with me. Um, the 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 quote. This first little segment is about. And Tom and I'll listen as as everybody listens to Tracy here. Uh, desire is the key to motivation, but it's determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal, a commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success 
you seek. This was uh, a quote from Mario Andretti. So let's take, it's about a little minute and a half Tracy moment here. So I'm going to hit this and hopefully we'll hear Tracy talk about that quote for just a minute. Tracy here. And in talking about commitment, this is one of my favorite quotes. Desire is the key to motivation, but it's determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal, a commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success you seek. I'll repeat it. Desire is the key to motivation, but it's determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal, a commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success you seek. And that's a quote from the great spiritual master, Mario Andretti. So, you know, an award-winning and race-winning racer, race car driver, knows a lot about what it takes to really achieve success. And I like that that quote starts with, desire is the key to motivation. Because often we think if we're really committed, we'll be motivated. But we have to desire a different outcome. And we need to be really clear about where our desire is taking us. And that's what gives us the motivation and the energy and the excitement to be truly committed and do whatever it takes to get to that goal. So when the first time I, I read this quote, it really, really helped me look at my life and go, oh, yeah, those times when I was really committed and I would not let anything get in my way of achieving a goal, it was because I had a very strong desire. So what do you think about that? <laughs> Don't you feel her, Tom? Do you feel Tracy here amongst us? You bet. <laughs> I love to hear Tracy talk. <laughs> I love to hear the Tracy talk. You know, that is true, though. I wonder um, if we don't have a desire first, uh, if we would come to any kind of commitment, if we don't have that inner urge or that inner nudge or that inner interest in something. Um, I'm not going to commit to something that I don't have any kind of interest in or excitement about. I think a thought, a thought always precedes action, so we don't think something and believe we can do it, we're probably not going to do it. And now have you, I'm going to make Tom talk about Tom here for a minute, have you always had kind of a daily spiritual practice, and doesn't matter what it was or, you know, in what kind of faith it was, but has it always been, has that always been a part of your life? No, and it still isn't, really. Um at least I don't think of it as a spiritual practice. You know, I, I think I've been a spiritual person all my life, but in terms of having any sort of a formal practice that I follow, that's my. That's if if that's a failure uh, um, on this journey, I've failed. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think it's a failure at all. I'm just, I'm just curious because that's what I'm thinking about commitment. But but I, I see your life as a spiritual, like you said, as a spiritual life. So your commitment to seeing the God in others, you know, it's like you live your life in a spiritual way, day to day. 
Right. I mean, but you're saying I hope it's so. ours. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know, when we, when I don't know, around CSL, when we talk of spiritual practices, we think of meditation, first of all, and prayer, and affirmative prayer, and visioning, and there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a list of spiritual practices. Certainly study is a practice. Taking classes is a spiritual practice. So most of those that are sort of organized and listed spiritual practices, I don't have them on a regular basis as part of my day, but, you know, they're part of my life. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, and I wonder if how that commitment to a spiritual you know what that probably means something to different to everybody um, and the level of commitment that people make uh, I do this little group mental health group at the women's jail uh, every week and I had a volunteer that came in with me three or four weeks ago and one of the things that we do is uh, we begin the group with uh, an affirmation. We end the group with an affirmation, and then I hand out journal sheets and encourage the women to write down three or four affirmations to focus on for that week and to try to have an affirmation a day and to really think about that affirmation throughout the day and, and make that a, a routine they get into. And this little volunteer gal that came in a few weeks ago is working on her Ph.D. at SMU and, you know, just really... Uh, you know, dressed well, you know, had shoes that matched her dress kind of thing, you know, way ahead of me in a lot of ways. And uh, <laughs> it uh, was so funny. Uh, yesterday I got an email from her that said she had taken that practice of doing that affirmation every day, that idea. And uh-huh. that she said that like in three weeks she just felt so much inner change, so much of her mind chatter had had. uh shifted from, you know, just being panicky and, you know, her words, you know, some of the monkey chatter that we all have. But um, she used the word in her email that her commitment to doing that affirmation every day in three weeks had just rocked her world. And um, so when I saw that word commitment, you know, I highlighted that and pasted it on in front of me. I'm like, I'm going to talk about that. But... um, you know, I do think, and, and to be honest with you, my experience of you, Tom, I don't know you that well in terms of your history, um, but my experience of you is that there's something in you that is very um, energetically welcoming and, and, and non-judgmental and uh, just you're at peace, you bring a peace to me. And so um, my hunch is that you have had more of a, some sort of daily something that you just do so unconsciously now that because I don't think you could have that energy that you're putting out into the world if you didn't have something inside backing that up. But um, I think when people don't have any kind of, you know, when we're just totally in the world, I guess, and our minds are constantly going and we don't have any of that inner peace, you know, having that commitment to just doing an affirmation a day, um can really change the world. And look at the, you know, there I am assuming she had no inner peace. Wasn't that good of me, do you think? Let's hope she's not listening. <laughs> but, think, uh, I, go ahead. If I, have any, if I have any spiritual practice at all, it is avoiding stress. 
Is that it? You're committed to that? I'm committed to avoiding stress, and, and that, that usually comes as a result of judgment. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I avoid that. So you let that go. You let that go. Yeah. Well, speaking of daily practice, I do have a, uh, a devotion called Daily Practice. Let me see if I can read that. If I can pull that up here on my my multi-level screen here. Okay, daily practice. The small red bump had grown from the size of a pinpoint to a half dollar in one day. As I looked in the mirror, I realized not doing my routine for the past few days had caught up with me. I have rosacea and use a special soap treatment on my face each morning. Before I started doing this special routine, my face was full of red bumps and blotches. But after a few days, it cleared up nicely. Now when I don't see any redness, I think I don't need my morning routine. But every time I stop, in a few days, the red bumps return. Today I realize that cycle mirrors my meditation history. When I meditate every day, day after day after day, I get a clear feeling of peace and well-being throughout my day. I can skip one morning and still have this sense of peace. But when I miss two or three days in a row, I feel irritation and anxiety creep back as my automatic response to life. I have a hunch God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, not changing based on what is seen in the mirror. I remember myself this I reminded myself this morning whether or not I see a red bump, I need my daily meditation to keep peace and well being in my day. That's nice, I like that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, um, whenever people take psychiatric medications, they have what they call a half-life. And so they build up in your system. And if you're taking the medication and you get a sense of well-being, if you were depressed and suddenly you have a sense of well-being, or let's say you're anxious and then you you get calmer through the medication, and then if you get that feeling of well-being or that sense of calm and you think, oh, I'm good now, I don't need the medication, and you get off the medication, the half-life will kind of stay in your system for a little while. And then, you know, two, three, four weeks later, you go back to being depressed or you go back to to being um, anxious. And it's because you've, you know, lost that half-life. So I think my meditation kind of has a half-life. You know, I can go two, three days and kind of get, you know, a, a break from what I've done. But um, I, I, for me, that daily practice is... Um, it does change my life, that commitment to that. And it, it's real interesting. We do have the the meditation at the center now every morning that I've committed to from 7 to 7.30 to open the door. So I, you know, that commitment to open the door is really so self-serving because, you know, I have to open the door. So I have to be there so that I get to have that meditation for myself. And I, I think that is many times what I kind of have to do is is make some sort of, public commitment to get myself to do what I need to do for myself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. <laughs> I remember back years ago when I made a commitment to lose weight, the way I attempted to assure myself I was going to lose weight is I went out and bought a $150 pair of running shoes. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, yeah. And when uh-huh. When you're as tight as I am and you've got $150 tied into <laughs> running shoes, by God, you're going to lose some weight. <laughs> Isn't and that did. interesting? Yeah, and yeah, you did. Okay. See, isn't that interesting? Those are the little kind of tricks we play, you know, with ourselves to get ourselves uh, into following through on what 
what is what is good for us to begin with. Right. We know what it is. Yeah, you know, and that is so true. We know what it is, and I think to some extent that is a double-edged sword. You know, there's a part of me that would just rather not know. If I'm not going to, you know, follow through on it, I'd just rather not know. I'd rather not know that heaven on earth is a possibility, and then I don't have to, you know, be uh, so concerned that I'm not where I think I want to be. Let's see, what did Tracy, now she's got one more thing here, so let's listen to Tracy again. This one looks like it's about two minutes, and it sounds like she's going to tell us the quote, so I won't uh, I won't take away her thunder there. We'll let her tell her own quote in this little, this is the Tracy moment. There are so many times when I have said to others or to myself that I'm really committed to something. I'm really committed to a specific goal. I'm really committed to achieving a certain um, achievement or or accomplishment, achieving a goal, or I'm really committed to being a certain kind of person or to um, living my life in a certain way. But Peter Drucker says, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. And I realize so many times in my life when I've said I'm committed to something, I really mean I hope to do something or I might even promise to do something, especially promise myself that I'll eat healthier or promise myself that I will exercise more or promise myself that I will read a spiritual guidebook every day. You know, things that are easy to promise and and I'll say I'm committed to doing that, but I don't actually do it. So Peter Drucker's quote, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes but no plans, I think really helps me differentiate between what I want to do and what I'm committed to doing. If I have a promise and I have a hope but I don't have a plan and then I don't execute that plan, then I really don't think I have commitment. So I would probably add... To Peter Drucker's quote, he says, unless, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. I might add, but no plans followed by action. Because commitment shows up not just in what we think, but in what we do. If I can't observe some measurable change or some action that's taking place to make the hope or dream or the promise come true, then maybe my commitment really isn't there. At least that's what my thinking is at the moment about that. I like that. That's what I think about that. Isn't that a Forrest Gump thing? That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and I think I'm the only person in America that did not like that movie. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, okay, now when she was talking to him, I had such a profound thought. Now I want you to think about this for a minute she i think she used the word belief that we commit to what we believe and then she also used the word want what we want somewhere and all of that and that made me think of this i want what my deepest desire is to just be heaven on earth to to understand god not to understand god but to be that flowing god to know that God is expressing through me 
that has always been my deepest desire, my most interesting thing in my world. I've always been a spiritual quest kind of person. I'm just always looking for that in my day and other people's day and everything that happens in my world. I'm always trying to look at it from God's perspective. So in the God within me, you know, getting to that point, I think I'm in between that because that's kind of my journey right now. I'm really clear that God can work through me, and I work real hard on getting rid of ego, and you know I can have my moments when I can let that flow happen, and I am much better at that, letting God come through me from the inside out. You know, I'm not anywhere near that yet. But I want that. I desire that. I'm hungry for that. So I will commit to things like doing the morning meditation or when I was involved in a mystic group here, you know, going to the priest's house every morning at 6 o'clock for meditation. I commit to that, and I get excited about that, and I love doing that. And and I do it. I follow through, and I'll do it. I'll show up. Now, I'm overweight. You know, I can't walk up. I came to my mother's house, actually, to do the show because I don't have a landline since Tracy wasn't going to be here. And so I walked up my mother's steps, and I'm like, oh, my, for the love of God, I have got to start walking. I'm going to be dead by 50 if I don't see And so I'm constantly telling myself I need to lose some weight. I need to just start walking or just start doing something simple. But, you know, I'm not committed to that. I'm not really interested in that. And so I don't, you know, I say it, I hope, like she said, or I want, you know, I say it, but I don't. I don't follow through. I don't actually do it. I'm not committed to it. So it just seemed like that was a huge difference to me. It's like, you know, I think I say that I want to be fit and I want to, you know, be healthy and I want to walk or not, you know, not necessarily. I just really don't want to be winded when I walk up a flight of stairs. But but I don't actually do anything behind that desire. I'm not committed really to that thought because I'm not taking any action, right? Is that what I think is that one? Is that is that correct? I'm not really committed to that thought because I'm not taking any action. If I was really committed to it, I would do what I do with my spiritual program. But I must not really be committed to losing weight or being fit because I don't take any action. Well, I would I would encourage you to consider that this possibility that that that's all that spiritual quest and that physical quest is all one quest. Mm. I love... Uh, Interesting. Uh, if you, you, you'll get around enough Michael Bernard Beckwith uh, and hear them talk about the body temple and you will... It, it becomes impossible to think of, of being fit and not... and. and Without recognizing that you're, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual uh, reality, or recognition that you are, in fact, spirit manifested in this human form. And you're, you're, you know, the, the not only does being trim and fit feel better, but mentally you're honoring your spirituality. I think, you know, and we're all failures at that to some extent but at least if you if you have that concept in mind uh, for motivational purposes I think it's helpful now that is really profound I never considered that and that's even in the Bible isn't it something about the body being a temple I'm sure it is (laughs) come on now Uh, you know I could go ask my mother she would know actually (laughs) when when uh, Michael and, and Ricky were here, and they they sang and performed and everything a year or so ago. 
we had this wonderful breakfast for them over at CSL. I know we've got to run, but anyway, all the rest of us were eating uh, bacon and eggs and, you know, all this kind of unhealthy food to some extent. And in walks somebody with their cereals and their avocados and their, um, oh, that that milk, it's not milk, almond milk. Oh, and, the and, almond or the soy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was all for the Beckwiths. <laughs> they are very, they're in wonderful condition, and they do honor that body temple a lot. You know, that is an interesting thing. And, you know, I guess ultimately if I commit to, you know, the spiritual practice, that probably does actually, if I stop and think about it, it does encompass every part of my life, the the spiritual, the mental, the physical, the friendships, the, you know, keeping my car clean. <laughs> yeah, I think it. You know, man, I think you're probably right. There's probably a, a you know, a, a a spiritual seed in all of it, and um, and I can get, I can be pretty black and white, and you know, think this is one way and this is not. And uh, see there. Well, I, 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 I worked I, after I, you know, I saw you this morning at meditation, and then I went to the gym, and I can promise you, if you can find the time to do that. It is. Uh, you do kick off some endorphins when you work out, and, I, and it, it feels good. You know, it does, doesn't it? I used to be a runner. Imagine that. I know you can't even really perceive that, you know. <laughs> but I, yeah, I do recall that, and it is. Um, it is a high. It is a bit of a high to kick off the the natural endorphins. Well, and two, you know what you're doing is good. You know, you know what you're doing is good. You know, that's a, it's a simple thing. You know, it's not brain surgery. You know what you're doing when you're working out. That's good for you, and, and that's good. And there is a commit, yeah, a commitment to being good to ourselves is, you know, is a commitment to, it does it does trinkle in, or, you know, it, it, it ripples out to others, to the commitment to others. I do have that commitment not to eat meat. I do do that. And I feel, you know, that really does feed me spiritually. To know that uh, for the animals, so to speak, you know the one, the whole one. Okay, you now be. you have uh, two minutes, Tom. So now, what would you, what would you summarize our commitment, our idea of commitment? Is there any final thoughts there? And two minutes can last a very long time. So don't. <laughs> no, I'm going to let you do the summarizing. <laughs> All right. Well, you are a good man. Thank you so much, Tom. All right. Great. Participating today, I appreciate Enjoy that. Enjoy talking to you. Very, very Bye-bye. good. And um, so just in in kind of a closing, I would encourage everyone to uh, join us for meditation on Tuesday nights here on the uh, blog, the the same number that you dialed in to get onto this show. You can dial in, get onto the meditation, 10.30 to 11 p.m. on Tuesday, Central Time. And then check out the website, God in My Day, to uh, learn more about devotions and get some daily commitment practicing going into meditation and to different uh, spiritual practices. So thanks for joining us. Thanks again for Tom, and we'll see Tracy next Monday. Talk to you all then.
Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.